couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I started a series called Ready, Stretch, Grow, and uh, I want to continue that series. It's really a, a study of the life of Joseph, and so if you're not familiar with the life of Joseph, I want to encourage you to start in, in Genesis chapter 37 and then uh, and read through chapter 50. It's, it's 14 chapters, and within it, you're, you're going to see and, and learn a lot about you know, a young man that at 17, uh, God approached and gave a vision and a dream to, and then the process in which he walked until that dream came to pass. And, uh, you know, there is a process that God walks us through. There's a, a time of where he makes us ready or preparation. And, and we'll mention that here in a moment. And then there's the stretching season that God puts us through where he strengthens us. And he strengthens us because he wants us to succeed. God God has called each and every one of us to a specific place and purpose within his work in the world. And so with that, you know, that, that's pretty humbling. And, and at times, you know, we're, we're uh, maybe even unaware of how to prepare uh, for what God has prepared for us. And, you know, uh, these desires these uh, that God has put within us, how do I see those desires come to pass? And, and I hope... Uh, that you're going to see that God's plans for you are just as important as God's plans were for Billy Graham. Uh, that in the kingdom of God, there's no big eyes and little U's. That, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, God's really going to use that person in a special way. Whenever God uses anyone, it's special. Let me say that again. Whenever God uses anyone in any way, that's special. And, and so whether it's bringing a cup of water to someone in the name of the Lord, Jesus said there's a reward with that. And so the rewards are handed out according to what he's asked us to do. And so that's where comparing ourselves is so harmful to us really understanding how important it is for us to do what God's called us to do. Because sometimes we think, well, that, that, that wouldn't make much of a difference. You know, me having a cup of coffee with them or, or me going and taking a meal to them or me, you know, showing hospitality to them. You know, that, that's just, you know, good manners and good morals. It, if it's led by the Spirit of God, there's a bigger purpose for it. There's a bigger purpose for it. And, and when we understand that even Jesus took time to prepare breakfast for Peter after his betrayal... And to sit down and to restore him, that breakfast, that table was an opportunity for the will of God to be known and to continue in Peter's life. So never minimize or, or just place, you know, little, little value on doing little things because little things done well make a big difference. They do make a big difference. So this morning I want to talk specifically about detours and shortcuts. And uh, so let me define that to you. Detours are sometimes things that are designed by engineers to keep us from rough road. And so let's liken that today to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Have you ever made plans and then God threw in a detour? And the reason he did is because he knew if you and I made our own plans that the road that we would travel might get a little rough. And so he leads us around those areas because he's a good shepherd. So let's liken detours to God working in our life, leading and guiding us. But let's also understand that shortcuts are times where we make decisions because we want results the way we want results in in the time that we want them. So that would be likened to the ways of man or the ways of the flesh. And Scripture talks about both of those. So detours are God intervening to help us. 
and shortcuts are just our ways. So in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to be introduced to Joseph. He's the 11th of 12 sons of Jacob. He's the firstborn of Jacob's true love, which is Rachel. And this is significant. His other 10 siblings that preceded him were born of different mothers. Same dad, but different mothers. Leah, the sister of Rachel, gave four sons to Jacob. Billah, the maidservant of Rachel, gave two. Zilpha, the maidservant of Leah, gave two. And so there are these, these children that are, that are, have been born into Jacob's family. And then in Jacob's latter years, Rachel, who had been crying out to the Lord because she was barren, conceived and she brought forth Joseph. And, and Joseph always loved Rachel more than any of these other ladies. But this is a, a unique uh, way to start a series on detours and shortcuts because here we see the original blended family. And, you know, we talk about blended families and what does a blended family look like? It, it looks a lot like what we see here in the life of Joseph. Uh, they all had the same dad but different moms. And, and so that, that can lead to some misunderstandings and some uh, sibling rivalries and some people not really getting along with one another. And it can also lead to favorites, you know, that, that certain, you know, moms gravitated toward their own children. And, and that can create some strife and division and some hatred within the home. So that's the reason that I share that dynamic before we, we get into our reading. Uh, another way to say it is there was already some shortcuts and liberties that were taken by Jacob, Leah, Rachel, Billa, and Zilpha that impacted the relationships of these 12 sons. And uh, let's begin in Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 5. And it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So we could say this is compound hatred. You know, they already had a distaste for him. And now it's even growing more contentious. There's there's more division, more strife, more trouble in the home. And and from this. God gave Joseph, a 17-year-old, two dreams. And in these dreams, one was that he would be an overseer or a ruler over his brothers, of which his brothers didn't really care to hear. And so the tensions grew and the fire grew hotter and the distance between them grew greater. And then the second dream was very similar to the first, but now it included mom and dad. So God gave Joseph two really valid, inspired, divine dreams, and both of them created more awkwardness, more tension, more strife, more division in the home. 
Now, you would think that if God gave someone a dream or a desire that, you know, this is the son. We talk Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the lineage of faith. This is where the nation of Israel came from. That Abraham, who was the father of faith, that his faith would have proceeded automatically transferred to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. But here we see that there is trouble within the first and second generations of the father of faith, which tells us a lot about human nature. And so now, which which is this, we forget. Sometimes we forget, you know, where we came from. Sometimes we forget our foundation. Sometimes we forget how merciful and good God has been to us. And we forget those lessons. So here comes an opportunity, you know, for God to sort of reestablish faith within a family. And yet there seems to be more and more trouble. So verse 11 even gives us more insight in, in chapter 37. And his brothers, after he shared this dream with him, envied him. But his father kept all these matters in his heart. His father was disappointed in what Joseph had said, but he was still pondering what this could mean. So after this scenario, uh, we're going to read in chapter 37 in uh, verse 18. Uh, Jacob is now saying to Joseph, you know, hey, your brothers are out in the field and I want you to go see how they're doing. I haven't heard from them from several days. And so go and see how your brothers are doing. And, and so he dispatches Joseph in verse 18. It says, now, when they, the brothers saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now that's turned, you know, you talk about hatred that's turned to envy. And now we're talking about malice or intent is being born in them because they're not dealing with these emotions and they're not resolving these uh, issues in a godly way. So notice where it's leading them. It's leading them to conspire to kill him. And Jesus said that anger can turn to murder. Unresolved anger can turn into murder. And, And it's the root, it's the foundation of it. Verse 19 Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, and let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of his hands. And he said, let us not kill him. This is the oldest brother now. And Reuben said to him, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. And so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic or his coat of many colors, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. They put him into a very dry and a barren place in order for him to suffer. Now, that that seems like some, you know, some really harsh treatment. Uh, now, here in a moment, I, I, I hope that as we, we unpack a little bit more of, of this story, that we can see that there's some great lessons for all of us. So let's go back to Joseph for a minute. What do you think he might be thinking? You know, he's 17 years old. Um, ten brothers that are much older. Reuben, you know, is, is probably potentially... A, at least a decade older than him. And um, and then all the other nine 
you know, have now done, done something that, you know, they've been harboring in their heart for a long time to do. And Joseph is now in a dry and a barren place, and he has no way to, to get out of this pit. It's, it's deep enough that he can't climb out of it, and they're in an arid place, which means it's probably very hot during the day. He's going to be parched. Dehydration is going to set in. There's just a lot of, of things that are problematic with how they treated their brother. And it was the result of not taking care of some of the unresolved issues within their own household. But I can't imagine what he was thinking. You know, he was probably in a place where he was suffering pain. Part of it was because of his own maturity issues. Later on, I mean, earlier on in in chapter 37, it, it talked about Joseph saying things to his dad about his brothers that sort of, you know, stirred up the the flames or the strife. And so, you know, Joseph had a part to play. And at the same time, you know, his brothers made choices. But in the midst of all of this, God was still at work. God is the one that gave Joseph these dreams. And, and, And if you've ever had the Lord place something in your heart, then you would think that it would just automatically happen. There'd be no problems, no resistance, no tests, no trials. You know, there'd be no stretching. There'd be no seasons or opportunities for growth. You would just say, well, God said it and God will make it good. And that's just the way it is. But that's just not the way it is. Because God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. And in this season, Joseph has an opportunity to do some examination, some self-examination. And if we do that right, it's always beneficial to us. So Joseph has an opportunity to take ownership for what he did. And also, the brothers have an opportunity to take responsibility for their part to play. God was at work making Joseph ready. God was at work stretching and strengthening him. God was at work in helping him to grow. You know, preparing or making ourselves ready is the preliminary work that positions us for God's appointed time of promotion. You know, one of the book, uh, uh, in the book of Proverbs, one of the primary messages is that preparation is what separates a foolish man from a wise man. That a wise man prepares and is ready. A foolish man doesn't. And don't you love some of the analogies within the book of Proverbs? And, and if you haven't been reading through the book of Proverbs in the month of January, I just encourage you to just jump right in. You know, today is a, a good day to start. Just start in the 15th chapter and, uh, and just read through the rest of the month and you'll, you'll glean a lot of counsel and wisdom that'll be beneficial to you. But, but I, I, I like, you know, the analogy between wisdom and foolishness uh, that is given to us in the book of Proverbs because it, it helps us to see that our choices do matter. Our choices do matter. Our attitudes matter. And, and all of it matters before the Lord. And so one of the prayers that, that, is, that I want us to pray in this, in this message, and there's going to be a couple, and if you join me, it's just a very simple prayer. That's a humble prayer. And, in, and if you would please recite this after me, and that is, God, prepare me for what you have for me. Amen. 
Joseph is, is now in this place where he can reflect on his choices towards his brothers and how he is going to react or respond to how they treated him. God is now going to use one of the most common tools to help Joseph judge himself that he uses with all of us, and it's time. God uses time differently than the way that we use time. As a matter of fact, God lives in time eternity. There's not uh, a dimension of time that he's bound by, but we are. We're restricted by time and location, but not God. God is not restricted by any of that. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said in Psalms 31, 14 through 16, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those that persecute me. This is the second prayer that I I want us to pray as a congregation this morning. And if you would say this after me, Lord, my times are in your hands. I trust in you. You are my God. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and those that persecute me. Another way that we can look at time, which is time is synonymous with our life, because we we measure our time in our life in seasons. And we say things, I remember the time. Uh, that's a common phrase. I, I remember the, the, the time when, and, and then we recite that time or that season. And so our life can really be broken down into different seasons, and it's one of the ways that we talk about our life and our journey and our experiences. But here's another definition for time. Time is what keeps everything from happening at once. This is This is God's use of time, is that... Not everything happens in our timing, but there's the timing of God. And and this is where detours and shortcuts come in to life. I mean, either we accept the detour and we go on that road and it's a safe road. It might be a little longer and it might take us out of, you know, what we think would be the most direct path, but it's the safest way. Uh, I have a friend in uh, lives in the Atlanta area and they were redoing some of the roads, and he had uh, a, a big four-wheel drive truck. True story. And and he, they were doing some work on one of the interstates, and so they had all of the uh, blockades up, and they had detour signs, and and <laughs> and he had a big truck, and he thought, well, that doesn't pertain to me. So he just went around all of the the detour signs and he was just going to get to his house what he thought might be the quickest road. He was he was going to take a shortcut. And in doing so, and in doing so, not only did he do severe damage to his vehicle, which it broke down and it wasn't able to go, he got a hefty fine from the police. They located him and came and gladly wrote him up a ticket for going somewhere that he shouldn't go, that there was a, a different road. And and isn't that like us sometimes? You know, God puts up barricades, he puts up blocks, and we say, nope, I'm going around the barricades. Nope, I'm not listening. Nope, I'm just going to do it my way. Nope, yeah. And the next thing you know, we're broke down at the side of the road, and we end up having to pay the price for it. When if we just would have followed the detour sign, you may have been there five minutes later, but you would have been there safe and probably wouldn't have got a ticket. So 
Now, Joseph has this opportunity. Am I, am I going to take a detour or, uh, you know, and just take this path, which wasn't on his radar. He thought he'd share his dreams with his brothers. They'd celebrate. They'd have a party, kill the fatted calf. Mom and dad would do the Jericho dance around him. The whole, the whole camp would shout hallelujah. You know, Abraham and Isaac would rejoice from the grave that here's one of their great-grandchildren, you know, just forging forward in faith. And oh, what did he get? I mean, he got envied. He got hated. He, they conspired to kill him. It just didn't seem like you know, what God said and then how people responded to it were connected or even correlated. I, I'm not sure that, that that's ever happened with you. Uh, I remember when I shared with my family that I felt like the, the path for my life to go forward was ministry. I didn't get a lot. Uh, hey, let's celebrate. Let's be happy about that. As a matter of fact, my family didn't talk to me for one year at family reunions. True story. You know, sometimes the silent seasons, you know, where is God? It's silent. You know, my grandfather was was so upset at me that uh, Charlene and I went over, regardless of how they treated me, we, we'd go over once a week and have, have dinner with my granddad. And one particular dinner, I, you know, could tell that he wasn't quite himself. And I said, hey, granddad, what's going on? And he took his fist as hard as he could and he banged it on the table and he said, you're throwing away your life, son. You're throwing away your life. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, I have plans for you. My, my granddad was a very successful businessman. He had made room for me to come into the company. I was unaware of that. And then he did something that, you know, sort of poured some salt on the wound is that he said, I want to show you something. And so I said, okay. He took me back into his office in his home, and he pulled out a check. It was a commission check. It was from 1944, 1944. And he worked sales. He worked commission. And, and he showed me a carbon copy of this check. And the carbon copy of this check was for $4,000 in 1944. And then he proceeded to tell me what he purchased with this $4,000 check and how long it took him to to make this $4,000 check. The $4,000 check took place over the 4th of July weekend, three days, from leads that other people in the business didn't want to take that he took and went and got the sale on. 1944, you want to know what he bought? He bought a brand new car for his family. He put a brand new, he put a down payment on a house, a substantial payment, like 40% down on a home. And he clothed all of his children with new clothes. And he said, this is what you're passing up. And I just thought to myself, you know, this is an opportunity. Either I can, you know, go the way of man and go the way of the, but I, I just knew what God had put in my heart. I got to stay the course. And maybe there's similar stories that, that have happened to you, you know, where you came to faith in Christ and it seemed like, you know, your family should be happy. You know, you're at peace with God and, and just seemed to cause some trouble or some difficulties. I think that, you know, within this story, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to personalize it, we'll see where we fit and, and how this is so pertinent and important. So, let me share with you some some very important aspects of just uh, understanding that God's timing. God's timing is just just so unique to Him. It's um, 
when Scripture says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, then, then that helps us to understand that, that his times and his seasons are exclusive to him. And, uh, and, and I know that at times, you know, we think that, that God is rarely early and, and often late, but according to his will and according to his will, ways he's he's always on time it's it's an opportunity for us us to to continue to prepare to continue to stretch to continue to grow and uh and that's one of the things i want us to ponder about this morning you know the the road of convenience or ease or or man's ways of planning and scheduling his life i i've been there those are shortcuts and the purpose is how god plans and schedules our life and that's and that's detours uh and from a new perspective of trying to understand that God has a purpose in mind and uh, we'll be wiser and more godly in the way that we live our lives and the way we make our decisions. And so why is waiting on the Lord so important? Why is waiting on him and, and avoiding, uh, you know, the shortcuts in life and really understanding the value of detours? Uh, think about that for a minute. I think you can come to some of your own conclusions of why, why his ways or his thoughts or his path is a better path. I use the illustration of my friend that, you know, sort of tried to forge his own path. And, and isn't that another message that's in the book of Proverbs that our path, our, there's a path or a way that seems right unto a man? But then there's the ways of God, and the ways of God always involve faith, always involve trust. That's why the psalmist said, my times are in your hand, I trust in you. And, and that, can, that can be a very challenging place to be in life, and I understand that and can empathize with it. Uh, I think in the end, though, we, we see that God's way and God's will was the best because of the, how we become more like him. If if he hadn't put us in that place, if he hadn't allowed us to go through that challenge, if, if he didn't permit it, then I wouldn't be the person that I am. I, I maybe wouldn't have looked to him, relied on him, depended on him, trusted him. Maybe he was protecting me from myself. Maybe he was protecting me from my own blindness, my own maturity. And in that... He was working something much more valuable in me, his will, his character, his ways. And with the life of Joseph, as we continue to go forward, I I hope you, you can see that Joseph, after his first, you know, blunders with his brother, he, he makes very, very few mistakes. As a matter of fact, I would say he makes no mistakes going forward. He does everything that's right. He, does, he, he learned a lesson in, in, from his family. And in every situation, in every season going forward, he, he doesn't fail a test. He, he just goes along. And in the end, I'll share this with you. When it was all said and done, he even says to his brothers, everything that you did, you meant to harm me. But God turned it for good. That's someone that, you know, in hindsight, looked back in the moment. He couldn't interpret it well. But in hindsight, he looked back and he said, everything worked together just the way that God wanted it to. I didn't take any more shortcuts, but I allowed God to detour me all the way 
to my destination. And that's what I want us to really reflect and think about today. Reflect on the scriptures on waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And what does that produce in us? I want you to really contemplate why waiting on the Lord is so valuable and so important. And I'll leave you with this. Each and every one of us has our own ideas and our own thoughts about the way things should happen for us or towards us. But we have to be willing to commit those ways unto him. Those ways, those thoughts, and so that we would not short-circuit the will and the ways of God that he's really working in us. So when we don't understand, we ask for understanding. When we don't see, we ask for vision. When we don't hear, we ask for ears to hear. But we work diligently to keep growing and to keep developing and to keep maturing. Why? Because the process of God is the process of God. He's going to prepare us for what he has prepared for us. He's going to make us ready. He's going to put us in positions where we have to completely rely on him. And in the process, we're going to grow. But guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Shortcuts, we get the glory. I was so smart, I took a shortcut. (laughs) Yeah. Or the detour. I took God's way, and I'm glad that I did. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.